It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 28th of August. Eric Woodyard joins us for the summer interview series. We talk about this culture in the young modern player and dig into Rudy Gobert and what's next for him. But first... Interesting interviews from Donovan Mitchell and Dante Exum, plus the World Cup warms up. It's all taking place on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers... And hopefully making it a better experience for you to be a Jazz fan each and every day. So fired up that Eric Woodyard is back with us. I think you guys love day one from the looks of things. Please send him a thank you at E underscore Woodyard if you'd like to. Uh, and appreciate that. Uh, bunch of interesting things to talk about today on the program. Uh, excited about kind of the Dante Exum did a 30-minute interview with an Australian TV station. He was in uh, and taking questions from fans and and the host. Uh, He looked big upstairs and even said in the conversation that he had really been working hard at improving his upper body. There were some other aspects. uh, And basically he said, hey, I was pretty limited in what I I could do. So uh, with some interesting comments, he talked about that he'd already worked out with Emmanuel Moutier and Mike Conley. And we now have heard, so Conley spent time with Quinn. Conley has spent time with Donovan. Conley has spent time with Dante and Moutier. Moutier's been in the building quite a bit. I was in the building the other day. There were a lot of the young guys there. But you can see one of the biggest transformations of the Utah Jazz under Dennis Lindsay, Quinn Snyder, have, and now Justin Zanuck, has been the Jazz continually staying in contact with with their players. If you follow uh, some of the Jazz assistant coaches uh, on Instagram, you saw that uh, one coach was in Australia this year to be in Melbourne. Another was uh, on the Croatian coast, I think it was Croatia, to be with Bogdan, uh, Bojan Bogdanovic. So you're seeing the Jazz coaches go to the players during the offseason, and you're also seeing the players then coming back to spend time with the Jazz training staff. This was a huge part of the Jazz goal when they built out uh, that facility and just their entire program of player development is creating a a model and an area where the Jazz want to spend players want to spend time and thus they spend time together. So I thought it was interesting. We've we've already heard about Conley touching different places. We've heard the Jazz touching out and, and you could hear and Donovan talking about the good people or excuse me, Dante talking about the good people and all of that aspect of it. That as much as there's this turnover, they loved Ricky Rubio. Derek Favors was a model. Alec Burks was a guy they admired. That turnover is taking place, and yet the culture may be holding together despite that uh, because of some of these things. Maybe the two most interesting parts about the Dante Exum interview were him talking about Quinn Snyder and him talking about uh, his desires for how he wants to play. And the second, you could really hear a transformation in his mind a little bit. So the first was talked about Quinn and the question came in of whether he feels though he had a shorter leash 
than other people. And he said, I've talked to coach about that. So there's serious, you know, and this is something that, you know, when we all talk about things, you know, it, it can be that we're crazy on it or not, but there's always been a feeling that maybe Dante has a little bit of a shorter leash. Well, I'm sure the people around Dante, if they hear us talking about it, feel the same way. So that conversation Dante revealed has been, has taken place between he and Quinn. And then Dante told a story about how Quinn's always hard on him. And he told a funny story about uh, that Joe Ingles did something and uh, Quinn yelled at Dante. And Joe actually stood up and said, hey, wait, that was my fault. And Quinn still yelled at Dante. Uh, and, and he, But what was then most interesting about it was that Dante really went way out of his way to kind of say, but Quinn and I have an incredible relationship. We talk all the time. And that might be the essence of one, both Dante in his desire to be good, that he can take the criticism, and two, Quinn. Quinn's ability with these players for them, even if he yells at them, I mean, he gets on Rudy, he gets on Donovan, uh, to understand that the the driving force behind that is a quest to get better. And that's what they that's what he wants more so than anything else is a quest for everyone to get better. And I think Dante uh, is aware of that. The the final one was uh, Dante talking about position, which I've talked about a lot. Um, Dante said, I was adamant about being a point guard and I still am. Okay, so that's really interesting. However, he then wavered a bit. I still want to be... But I'm fighting for minutes. I want minutes. That's the best thing for me is being on the floor. That to me sounds, first of all, like actually back to the Quinn conversation, sounds to me like somebody who has listened to Quinn and they have an understanding, which is, okay, I got you want to be a point guard. Really what's way more important than being a point guard is being on the floor we can work toward you being a point guard, but the fact is the most important thing, and Dante, I think, is on board with that. And that, to me, that was a really, really interesting comment there uh, by Dante in that he's saying, hey, I, I, I'm, he, didn't, he doesn't want to give, um, he didn't want to, he doesn't want to give that up, right? He doesn't want to give up, I'm a point guard, I have my vision of what I was going to be when I came into the league. I, I was drafted this position because I'm a point guard. And now all of a sudden jerks like Locke or whatever he's saying. Hopefully he's not calling me a jerk. I really like Dante. That would actually bother me. Um, are suddenly talking about how I, I may not be best at a point guard. And he's not. It tells me It tells me a lot. So it tells me, one, that Dante is not quite willing to buy and this is not a val there's no judgment here this is just a fact that Dante's not quite willing to give up some of the dreams and beliefs of what he thought his NBA career was going to be when he came out of Australia and got drafted fifth that those the aspiration that he had at that point six foot six point guard with all his vision that still pretty prevalent for him uh that he has not conceded to a different, like when I talk about him as being Trevor Ariza, it's clear if he hears that, he'd be pissed. Because um, he wants to be a star still, I think. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, but I think he's also in the process 
of and I I think that's fine. Again, let me say that there's no judgment there. I think that's fine. Like he's had so many injuries, he really hasn't had anything to prove his own personal belief needs to change, and probably to his benefit. Uh, the other thing that I do hear though is this kind of beginning of an evolution of all right, I gotta stay healthy, and I have to if I I have to stay healthy, and I have to be on the floor. And if being if if Mike Conley's here and Emmanuel Moutier turns out to play well, well then I'm going to be on the floor as a wing. And then he talked about, hey, our offense is rebound and go, rebound and get out. Um, and you know I can that's where I'm at my best. And so I, I thought it was really interesting. I, Dante is a great kid. He's very bright. He's was very open in this. And so you got all these pieces, and I thought it really came together in this interesting ball. The 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 pieces were, hey, yeah, I think I have a short hook. I have a great relationship with Quinn. And then we started talking about himself. You could tell he had a great relationship with Quinn because you could hear those things that Quinn has said to him. And he's listened. So I thought it was really interesting. Uh, the other one was Donovan Mitchell with Andy Larson talking about getting back to his roots uh, to elevate his game defensively uh, to get back to what drafted him. Um, it's interesting. I I think he needs to probably be better defensively. I think he realizes that. I also think that only happens if they can relieve his offensive burden, which the roster has been built to hopefully allow. Uh, I want to give a special thank you to Tyler Jensen. He gave me a nice five-star review on iTunes. Gets me through my day. Um, then there was somebody, mailbag question, who did not. Uh, Rolling Beatles uh, gave me a five-star review on iTunes as well. So special thank you to that. And so did uh, somebody who doesn't say their name, uh, but gave another. So thank you very much. I, I, I really blown away. Um, 931 reviews and 865 and five stars. Super thanks. 23 of them, one stars equally as valid. Um, you know, so I, but I do appreciate very much, uh, you guys taking the time and the great, uh, reviews, uh, and where you are, where you have been able to push the, um, lockdown podcast network. So exciting times going on there as we, as we wrap up the summer, uh, as we keep moving forward, by the way, we will, um, We'll begin to start our NBA prep, deep dive on each of our players and things of that nature, and, and might even go back to four days a week in uh, early September here, depending on, on some items. I, I want to do a get-to-know series about uh, members of our staff, so uh, haven't been able to do that yet. Uh, long day at work, still stuck at the office. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners get $5 off their first order of 15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code Locked On. Today's show is brought to you in part by Murdoch Hyundai. I actually spent the day yesterday with Blake and Ben Murdoch. We had a well, we had a great time, super conversation, and there happened to be 18 flags in the middle of closely manicured grass um, that seemed to be around us. I didn't play anything that resembled the game of golf at all, but a super time with the Murdochs yesterday. They're just really good people. The family has built this car dealership over three generations. Blake and Ben carrying it now in uh, their latest uh, iteration and things taking off at Murdoch Hyundai, the Palisade, which is their new eight-seater the Linden store is the number one seller of the Palisade in the country. 
in the country. Hard to get keep in stock right now. It's so it's on fire. So if you're interested in the eight row seat Hyundai, make sure you jump on that early. The next uh the Santa Fe, the Tucson, the Kona wrap up that SUV lineup. Here's what I would tell you. I don't want to tell you how to spend your money. It's not it's not my deal. You you can decide. If you're in the market for a car, at least look at the Hyundais. Whether you're in a sedan, then it's a Sonata or the Elantra. If you're on a small SUV, it's the Kona, the Tucson, a little bigger Santa Fe, and now uh the biggest one is uh the Palisade. At least check out, see what you can get. The amount of extras, safety features that you get standard with that Palisade and the other cars, just incredible. So make sure you check out and see what it is that's out there uh, and available for you. It is Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street, also in Logan and in Linden. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. Day two with Eric Woodyard of the Deseret News. Thanks so much to Eric for taking the time with us. Uh, no problem, how, how, much hoop, how much hoops have you played with Tony this summer? Uh, we played a lot, man, actually. Uh, but I've been back, you know, most of August. Well, we played in Vegas a couple times. Uh, obviously, we always play in Utah. And uh, I think, man, honestly, we got, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to brag on us or nothing, but I think we got, you know, the, some of the most consistent basketball runs. I'll put us up against any NBA market, any beat writers. I think Utah, we got the most consistent basketball runs, and I stand by that. And you can uh, <laughs> you can grab Eric on Twitter where he occasionally takes nice shots at Tony at E underscore <laughs> Wood Yard, W-O-O-D-Y-A-R-D. Um, so uh, last year we told your story. I don't want to get into that. I'm just curious, like, what's as, – as your time in covering the Jazz, your time in the NBA evolves – what are the things that are jumping out to you? What are you learning more every year? What 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 do you kind of I don't know, what's your big takeaway from being around this league more and more and more of where it's heading? Uh I think uh, you know, when I first came in, uh I just wanted to be on top of everything. I wanted to I was wide eyed, I didn't know, I wasn't comfortable. Uh, and I still you still want to keep that to some extent. You never want to get too comfortable, but you kinda know what's going on. You pick and choose your spots. Uh, you know, you know when it's how to travel on a road. It's a lot of different little things, you know, behind the scenes that people don't see. And you can understand players more so. Once you're around them, you get a better insight. That affects your reporting because you understand, you know, what ticks people off or what. You know, just, just different little things, little nuances of the game. And why somebody might even struggle. 
you know, um, you might know something that's going on behind the scenes. So um, it's a lot of things that you learn. Um, and I think uh, for me, it's all it's a challenge now to try to um, I prove what I can do um, on as far as with players and trying to continue to develop the, uh, relationships with the front office and things like that. That's a challenge for me that I want to get better at. I don't want to get locked in and just being, you know, just a player guy or just being one-dimensional at all. So I'm always trying to evolve just like a player. You know, they would say, you know, I, my favorite player, Kobe Bryant, he always would come in with something new every season. So I feel like, you know, I got to come in with something new every season. And uh, I always write a list of goals. I haven't done it yet because we, but we're getting close. So, you know, just trying to get better and better. That's really what it is. You know, it's interesting uh, when I deal with mentoring young people, I'll always ask them, well, what did you do to get better this offseason in, in your quest to, you know, make the league? And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, every NBA player is in the gym working on their game. So, like, what are you working on? And it's a great it's a great point on your part. Well, I was at a I was an event on Saturday night. It was actually uh, for the passing of Tom Nasalki, uh, the first mm-hmm. ever jazz coach who, who I co-hosted. Yeah, rest in peace. Rest in peace to him, too, man. I've actually been over to his house one time, man, uh, I was going to start, I don't know if you remember, I did a story about Terry Furlow, a guy that passed away tragically um, in 1980, and uh, he invited me into his house. I hate cats, man. He had a cat. He even put the cat up for me, so that was dope. But he, had, he was a great guy, man, so rest in peace to him. Uh, yeah, he was a great guy at the time I met him. So I was fortunate enough to host talk show with him for three years, um, mm-hmm. and so knew him really, really well. And with the people around, we got into an interesting conversation last night. I want your take on it. We were talking about how different the athlete is today. And my biggest takeaway is that the athlete that Tom coached was just a basketball player. Like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was the most different thing in the world that he actually asked to be Muslim and change his name. Like that was a really radical statement by Kareem. Today, today, you walked into our locker room last year and – like Ricky Rubio's talking about the independence move by Caledonia and Tabo's talking about who knows what, but it was going to be intellectual. Donovan's we talked about, yeah, on Monday's edition is so what when do you think and then and then part two to me is how much money these guys are all donating. I know they're making a lot, but there's an incredible amount of donating. Whether it was Kawhi Leonard with like a million backpacks the other day, or just all these different Steph Curry's Howard Golf thing, um, which was amazing. Uh what what when do you think this changed? What do you think happened here that these guys are now so civically minded, both aware wise and then from a philanthropy standpoint? Um, man, that's a tough question. Uh, well, I only ask you because I think because I only ask you because I think you're ready for these tough questions. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of the shift when I really think of you know when it when did it change. Uh, Michael Jordan was never, you know, really outspoken at all. Uh, Kobe Bryant didn't really get off into a lot of issues. He did here and there. Uh, I'll probably say with LeBron James, honestly, man. I think once LeBron realized his power, and, I mean, what the time that we're going through, you know, uh, with all these killings and, you know, things on so we can see it on social media. I think that's the biggest change. Now, um, police brutality has been going on. It's not a new issue. But I think the, the, the exposure with cell phones and things like that, I think that's what's really put things at the forefront, and these players are sitting back like, why Why wouldn't I speak on it? And I think once LeBron James really kind of, I would say it really changed around the time of uh, Trayvon Martin incident uh, when, the, when the entire Miami Heat wore the hoodies and things like that, I would say that's really when the change happened as far as players became more social. And I think LeBron has just took it to a whole other level. And I think as far as in that regard, I would put him as the greatest, the greatest ever as far as speaking his mind and being outspoken and being himself. 
So I would say that's when it really changed. As far as the athletic change shift, I think that would be Michael Jordan's era, you know, because that's when they really started to uh, lift. Michael Jordan would lift weights before games and things like that and really understand, I need to take care of my body. I can't just be a basketball player. So I think it shifted from a basketball standpoint with, you know, the player-athlete development with Jordan's era, and then it really took a social contest mixed with the, you know, basketball development with LeBron James. And now it's, I don't know who's going to be the next kid, but – you know, LeBron has kind of owned that category, you know, you know, for the last, uh, what, 16 or 17 years since he's been in the league. It's really, it's a great answer. You know, that's the question I didn't have an answer to. It's like, what, where was the shift? Why was the shift? Yeah. Trayvon, Mar- the, Trayvon you know, Martin's just, an interesting yeah, cell phones, man. I mean, you know, we've been knowing about police brutality for years. We saw the Rodney King incident, but now it's like, it's another hashtag every day. So, I mean, people get fed up with that, especially as African-Americans, we're tired of that. So it's like, you know, these guys recognize their platform, their brands. Like, okay, LeBron is signing Nike, but he's his own brand. LeBron is LeBron no matter where he goes. So once he realized that, once he became socially conscious, it ignited all the other players, the Steph Curry, the Kawhi Leonard, like you say. And everybody wants to continue to give back. LeBron has his own school. I mean, now it's going to a whole other level. So I think that's when it really shifted around that time with the Trayvon Martin incident and the cell phones and everything, you know, social media blowing up. So I think all of that kind of contributed to it. Whereas Kareem and those guys, uh, they were socially conscious too. He sat down with you know my, uh, with uh, Muhammad Ali and Jim Brown when they organized, you know the, the famous meeting, the famous picture where Muhammad Ali sat out. You know, but I think uh, it's really taken a new new light with social media. He's Eric Woodard. Great points there. Really, really, we could go forever on it. Such an interesting right. And because <laughs> you know what, what what somebody else pointed out to me is that these guys are so competitive that now it's competition. So it's crossed over. I don't think so. Now it's crossed over to like, what can I do? They all want to do something, right? Yeah. The culture inside of that is now, you know, what am I going to do? Also, uh, where I think it used to be a little bit of a, oh gosh, if I do this, what happens to me? Uh, nervousness yeah. of stepping out. Now there's almost a, res- a, a positive uh, peer pressure into creating. You know, what can I do? Right. I mean, that's and that's a good thing, though. I mean, some people criticize it. I see people uh, even criticizing LeBron, like, from, you know, jumping in the layup line with his son. Like, man, people, I don't think it's okay for somebody to do something and not have an ulterior motive. Everybody thinks right. behind it and what's going on. Like, why can't the man just enjoy his son and have fun? Like, you know, sometimes people uh, lose the human aspect of these athletes. Uh, they, they just think that everything they do is for PR. Or, and some of, some of them are guilty of it, but not everybody. You know, so I think people need to keep him keep uh, you know light of the fact that these people are human beings, man, with family. You know, and a lot of times, you know, us as journalists, you know, we can tell those stories as well. We don't have to always just, you know, just try to criticize everything. Sometimes we can look at some of the good they're doing as well. I mean, you know, we're not PR people, but you know, these are human beings we're dealing with, not zoo animals. He's Eric Woodyard. We will continue the conversation. We'll go back onto the basketball court talk about. Some of the additions and guys. Sorry, that was a big conversation the other night. I wanted your thoughts on it. Uh, as we yeah, continue, time, we continue here with Eric. It is Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On NBA is up and rolling and doing great things every single day, Monday through Friday. So make sure you grab Locked On NBA when you're done with today's show. 
The NFL season's right around the corner. Remember, every Wednesday during the NFL regular season is Crossover Wednesday. It's when the two opponent podcast hosts get together. Uh, so your favorite team's playing someone. Make sure you catch their Wednesday edition, Crossover Wednesday. It's always our biggest event of the week on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's show brought to you in part by the store. There's now more store. Utah's own the store. I've told you about the 6200 South 20th. East location, the great mudslide cookies are available for you, and you walk right into the right, the cake to floors, the front, all the Utah's own products there for you as you, as you, as Jeff and Scott find these people around Utah and give them, uh, their vehicle to get their products out, and you can feel that local flavor. You got the high school kids helping the older folks out to their cars. It's that great, it's just a great community grocery store. It's 600 South, 20th East. They, Select all their products. There's nothing in there that's by accident. The La Colombe cold brew is there because I asked for it. I mean, that's just kind of that level of touch. It's so awesome. Now they've opened up a mini store at 900 South and 100 West and a brand new bigger store at the Gateway. Fabulous location downtown at the Gateway. Take advantage of all the great store products, the community feel, and the super uh selection of Utah products as well as the Mudslide Cookie, the Leather Beast Mudslide Ice Cream, and all the other great things. It's at the store, 600 South, 20th East. Now downtown at the Gateway right across from really Energy Solutions Arena and uh, from the uh, Science Center or the Children's Museum, excuse me, and at 900 South, 100 West. It's the store. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I've tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. Wrapping up our Wednesday show with Eric Woodyard. He'll be back with us. We'll drop on Thursday as well this week as we have for the entire summer interview series. I just want to let you know you're all chasing Ron Boone. Ron Boone, so, so we've had Legend. we've had Ron Boone, Andy Larson, Thurl Bailey, Tony Jones, Craig Bullerjack, and now Eric. And Booner <laughs> is leading in the listener. Like I think I might actually make a trophy, do something of that nature. Like the most listened to summer interview series, ho like guest, put it out there. Tony would then yeah. say I cheated. It's you know, we know. Um <laughs> Man, Andy hey, Larson I, I, would analyze. He, he a champion, man. I can't compete with him. Yeah, he, he a champion. Man. Andy Larson <laughs> would give an analytical breakdown of that the week he was on had less listener potential, and so therefore <laughs> he actually had the highest potential of um, of it. Right? Like there we go. All right. Uh, <laughs> 
Rudy Gobert. So I go out on this pretty far out limb every now and then and talk about the fact that I think Rudy's a top 10 player in the NBA and people think I'm nuts. And my explanation is that the amount of players in the league who the minute they're on your roster, you're in the top five offensively or defensively is very slim. And if you're in the top five offensively or defensively, you win. Like, that's a big deal. And it's actually got as much value to do it offensively as defensively, particularly in the regular season. And so, uh, I, 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 what is your thought on where Rudy's placement in this league is? And then, I guess maybe the bigger issue is, without Derek Favors, will the Jazz still be a top five defensive team in the NBA this year? So I got to take on, you know, top 10 players and, you know, no disrespect to, to Rudy or anybody, but I feel like this as a hooper, if I'm going on the court and I got 10 players who I'm picking, will I pick Rudy in my top 10? Yes or no. And if that's a yes, yes. If it's not, you know, it's a no. Me personally, I love Rudy. Rudy is a great guy. One of my favorite guys to work with in the league. Um, but, you know, I, I probably wouldn't pick him if I, you know, had a, a pickup run or, 10 people I can grab in the league. So that's just my explanation. That's no not to him, no not to your thought or anything. That's just me. God, you know, uh, I, by the way, I, that's interesting. I'm grabbing him so fast for that 10. <laughs> because he sets the best picks in the league. He challenges the rim vertically the most. So if oh, yeah, I've got sure. other guys around me, he's opening up the floor as much as anyone. And then defensively, I don't have to play because I got Rudy behind me, so I'm all good. Yeah. I, I get it, you know. I get your side, but like I say, what if it's a player? If I'm at a, if I'm at a run, and I got, you know, ten guys on the court. You know, that's just my that's my that's my take on it. Taking out all the analytics, taking out everything. Who are the ten best players in the league? If I'm picking up, if I got to pick up a run, who I'm taking? Um, number one is still for me, LeBron James, right now. I'm not going to list the whole team because I don't have to run down. Somebody might pick and choose something out of this interview. So I want to do so. When I do a top ten, I want to make sure you know it's, I got it all out, but. LeBron's still number one for me. But uh, as far as, you know, Rudy's value in the league, um, I think he's uh, one of the top centers in the league for sure. I know people would like to, you know, go with the positionless basketball nowadays, which is, you know, Golden State has kind of, you know, made the league shift into that. But um, I think he's uh, obviously the best defender in the league. Uh, I think he uh, the most maybe one of the most intimidating around the rim. Uh, we, we saw his rim protection. Um, and I think uh, he brings a lot of value to the team. I just want to see what, what can he add to his game. Um, I know he was working with a shooting coach this summer, um, so I don't know, you know, how that'll look. You know, I'm sure Quinn probably won't have him pulling up jumpers, but you know, I know he, I know he's worked with a, a shooting coach. I got a chance to hang out with him a little bit um, in, a, in the workout session down in uh, with Fabrice Gaudier, my guy down there. Uh, shout out to him. You know, he's uh, he's just uh, osteopath and physical therapist. So I know Rudy's going to be in tip-top shape coming to the year. He's playing for France, obviously, for the national team. So. Uh, I want to see how, you know, if he brought something to the table this year. I want to see. It's tough to see what he does with Team France and how that'll translate uh, with the Utah Jazz. But, um, you know, I'm, I want to see what he's going to do. A lot of his points came up live last year. Obviously, he set the record for most dunks in the season. Um, but I want to see him add something to his game as far as, you know, a little move or something. We know what he can do defensively. We know he adapted to checking on the perimeter well last year. Um, that was something that he needed to work on, and he came back better. So we saw him develop last year, and I want to see what can he do this year. And, uh, I mean, I don't think nobody questions his value in the league. I think if the Jazz start off strong, like I said, I really believe that he can be an all-star. They just need to start off strong. That's what's kind of prevented him the last two years. You know, we saw him make third team on NBA, but, you know, he possibly could have had an even better season had the Jazz start off stronger because we know that how they start the season kind of creates that narrative. He was 45 
of 140 shooting offensively. 45 of 140. That is, if those doing this math at home, uh, it's 32%. And the year before, he was 29% from outside three feet. That's what he has to improve. He has got to be able to score if there's a body between him and the basket. That that right. it, it's not a three point shot. It's not his other stuff. That's the item where if he can get that, he scores twenty points a game. Right. And that's why you know honestly why I put wouldn't put him in my top ten because of that. I mean that's you know no knock to him. Rudy probably knows what he needs to work on. You know it's not me pointing nothing out that's uh, not fair. I mean I just feel like you know he you know he has areas to improve at defensively is definitely not one of them, but. He can improve with scoring, you know, in in you know uh, close to the rim. I mean, he has to do. He's seven foot, what seven one. So I mean, uh, that's something he has to improve upon. I know he's working hard. You know, the effort is never not going to be there. And uh, now nah, I just want to see him get it. That's why you need to develop a go to move instead of just dunking. You know that because that'll prevent that. You know as well. So yeah, I want to. I'm, I'm excited to see him coming in, man. I think uh, it's going to be a big season for him. What did you um, What did you see in those workouts? Uh, his his balance. His core. Um, so Fabrice was showing me like beforehand, before they started working, kind of like um, how he wasn't as coordinated. Basically, like his balance and uh, they do this thing. They, we got like a long story short, it's like a pillow, but it's like you balance on the pillow type thing, and it's like a like a balloon that they balance on, and like you can see how much his body has uh, got so much more coordinated. And I think that helps on the court. That helps finishing close to the rim if you can stay balanced and not falling over. So I think. You know, that's a big part is just developing that core, getting that balance, and also working with the coach, you know, shooting coach and trying to get better offensively. So I think uh, he's definitely committed to being better. But, yeah, really his balance and his core, his posture, uh, he's doing it with, with, with the breeze now. and uh, He's confident. He's very confident. You said that Rudy is one of your favorite guys. What is it you like about Rudy? Man, he he give you he's going to talk to you regardless. Win, lose, or draw. This guy threw up in the locker room one day. We saw that, and he's still – you know, address the media. Um, anytime I've ever needed him to do anything, he's always responded. Uh, he, like I say, he even allowed me to come out to California with him and come out to a training session. And uh, Rudy's a cool guy, man, great guy. Um, he, he he got a little funny, little dry humor, man. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't, you know, see his personality. They see him on the court, you know, looking with menacing sometimes with his look. But, you know, the guy is, uh, he's a good guy, man. He's a, he should be getting some votes on, you know, one of, I forgot what is the PBWA uh, vote where it's like player that's most mm-hmm. accessible to media. I think he should be in that conversation next year for sure. What was your thought on him getting busted for, not busted, like, you know, just ragged on for his reaction to the All-Star and the tears? Well, like, I mean, I'm bi- obviously biased. Like, yeah. Like, we, right. we all want our guys to care. Then a guy cares so much that he actually, yeah. everyone starts ba- ragging on him. Like, what was your take on that? I think people took it kind of out of context because, I mean, he was talking about his mom in a sense, you know, letting her down. Um, obviously, the All-Star was something that he really wanted, but that's when he cheered up when he got to talking about his mom. And if you kind of know the backstory of everything, you know, how he grew up with just his mom and uh, their special connections. He's always in Utah games and things. and. Uh, that's a that's a sentimental spot to him, you know. So criticizing the Jazz PR for letting him stand out there, you know, when they saw him tearing up. But I think it's nonsense. He showed emotion. I think we're just in an area now where men are not supposed to show emotion, especially as a basketball player. So uh, I see both sides. You know, some some of the, some of the teammates might have felt like, you know, uh, 
that made them look soft, you know, some other teams that look vulnerable. But uh, I have a problem. I mean, you want to see, especially from a media perspective, it's good for us. You want to see emotion. You want to see guys care. But I guess when you care too much, you know, people can criticize that too. So I saw both sides of it. Uh, I was I was standing right by him when he started crying, so I was kind of caught off guard. But I understand, you know, uh, how people feel about their mom. You know, I love my mom as well. And, you know, if it's something that you – a goal you set to please your mom and you feel like you let her down, you know, some people can get emotional with that. I don't think it made him no less of a player. He still was going out blocking shots and locking people up. You know what I mean? So it is what it is. But, yeah, I, I think it's just in this era, men aren't supposed to cry. Men aren't supposed to show emotion. emotion. Men aren't supposed to care. Um, it's just so many uh, things that are brainwashed into American society, and that's beyond me. But, yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with it. It was actually one of the best press conferences I had ever heard. It's so sad that that got – uh, and, and will never be remembered. I mean, he was talking about how if you want kids to play unselfish and you want kids to play defense, yeah. then how you – I mean, it was really yeah. one of the really thought-out, deep press conference. Um, if people yeah. don't like guys that cry, I'm in trouble because I'm, like, I'm just a blubbering mess most of the time. So I'm sorry. Sorry, yeah. sorry that you, we passionately <laughs> care and love people around us. Uh, he is Eric yeah. Woodyard. Fun another day with him. We've touched on Donovan. We've touched on Rudy. We'll touch on Thursday's edition. We'll talk about uh, some concerns he might have about the Jazz team. Uh, and we haven't even got a chance to look around the NBA. Just an easy, rolling conversation with a good man right here. And Eric Woodyard will continue it coming up on the next edition of Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.